Well, so we at the Wicked Awesome Cast would like to officially apologize to all of our listeners. If uh, if you follow Alex's social media because of this podcast and had to see his uh, truly upsetting shaving pictures that he posted this week, I, I'd like to formally apologize for that one. No, don't. I hope you all embrace it and enjoy it like I did. Truly, social media needs to come to an end. No. It was all a mistake. No. All of it. Back to Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> Back to my space. You're just jealous. You can't rock a handlebar mustache like me. No, and no, I, Hulk Hogan. I, I, I can sadly rock a handlebar mustache. That, that's one of the few things I can rock. It's I just I can't a- I can't actually grow a handlebar mustache. I <laughs> I don't have that much facial hair. To, to it's all in, on my chin and to, nowhere else. To put in perspective how hard I can rock a handlebar mustache, my mustache will naturally handlebar itself. It will eventually start curling up at the corners. And I hate it for it. <laughs> I mean, like, before I did do the handlebar, I did also rock the uh, the Ambrose Burnside. I, if you uh, saw that one, I think it's my time in proximity to places like New York and stuff, where the ironic facial hair was just regretfully pl- present. Where it's just it's like, yeah, I get it, bad facial hair, whatever. Yeah. You're wealthy enough, I have to respect you, even though you made a conscious choice to look like a fucking asshole. Congratulations. I will say, it did feel kind of weird rocking it, but then I kind of felt good about it. Like, I feel like now that I'm an old man who owns a home, I should have an old man look to yell at the kids in the neighborhood to get off my lawn, and things (laughs) of that nature. See, we go about this very different ways. You're kind of going the old man approach. I'm trying to maintain that, like, punk house aesthetic we're just it's like we don't go there man why bad things happen there man oh is it like in uh what do you call it the uh oh the sandlot you're the house that nobody wants to go to because i guess yes i actually already i already am like the fucking neighbor kid keeps kicking balls over my fence and they don't come back (laughs) fuck yes if scrump was a bigger dog i would have her out there terrorizing kids that play ball (laughs) <laughs> oh, Look, I still perfect. might do that. I think Scrub could still pull it off, though. Just yeah, the tracksuit on her. <laughs> She's gonna show him some real fucking legitimate business in a second. Fuck yes. Just make sure you give her a big handlebar mustache like myself. I look forward to all the Instagram shots just like mine. How do you shave a dog's head and have it still look not weird? <laughs> this is true. Although on the topic of shaving dogs, when Mandy was cutting my hair. She did mention her qualifications for it as she shaves dogs' testicles at work all the time. I... So it was fitting that she shaved <laughs> all my facial hair as she did that. As she mentioned it, so. Yeah. I, I, I'm literally speechless. My brain cannot come up with a retort to that except, yeah, this tracks. This absolutely tracks. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 207. That's 207. And with me today is, well, as always, is Charlie, aka Mordak, Undivided, aka just Mordak, and Alex, aka Mave Online. So, this has been a week of news. We've had, we've we've had some news, and uh, yeah. 
So things have been going on, things have been happening. So yeah, I, <laughs> some of the news I think was maybe more amusing to me than to other people, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I played a video game that wasn't Destiny. <laughs> oh yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> I played a video game that was Destiny. Fuck you, you need to tell me when you do this so we can play together. Yeah. It was it was like on a late night whim the other day. I have I been sick. Like, oh. I, I've been sick, but I've now been good enough that like my insomnia is back, so I was probably awake and playing Destiny on a different platform alone, because <laughs> my clan's on the fucking East Coast time schedule. Yeah, like, uh. you could have joined me in Henroot. I was running him through a bunch of content on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. I have questions for you, but we'll bring it up during the preamble. Okay. During the preamble? Oh, not the preamble. What am I saying? <laughs> During weeks? We, our weeks. We're sure. going to talk about our weeks. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sh should I go first? Because it sounds like I have a lot of Destiny talk again, despite my efforts yeah. to not do this. All right. So, so I was going to play The Last of Us 2 for this podcast. But in, in preparation for that, I started playing The Last of Us 1. And I got two-thirds of the way through replaying that game and remembered how much I fucking hate that game. I'm surprised you do that to yourself. I've heard you mention how much you hate that game. I, why do you why do you hate the game? I think that game is unbelievably overrated and the way that game has been kind of like blown up into this masterpiece. Like I, I get it, you love the story, you love Ellie. That's great. The story is good, but at the same time, the ending for that game is the biggest, like, you should hate Joel based on the ending of the game. I get why people don't, but at the same time, if you're not willing to kind of accept the criticism of Joel is a selfish asshole that dooms humanity at the end of The Last of Us, you don't get what that ending was about. And you also then don't get why The Last of Us 2 exists. Uh, it's... That, that game has, I think, fundamental gameplay issues. Like, I think like a lot of the second-to-second -second gameplay for that game is kind of bad, and I know they... I, they it is one of those games that makes the... Like, and this is a very me thing. If you're going to have shooting controls in your game and you're going to make those shooting controls shitty just to have a kind of a narrative, like a talent tree thing of like, oh, you got better at shooting? Don't make me aim. Please just do like a fucking auto aim or something like that. But like, or don't make bullets a priority where I have got like... There are headshots I should have gotten in that thing that I did not get because the game's like, oh no, you're not good at shooting yet, so you missed. And I'm like, I, I know that should have hit. It's the recoil in this game gets better over time. Like, and again, I know it's narrative, but don't fucking give me scenarios then where you give me eight bullets and six enemies and go, yeah, you're gonna have to shoot this one out. And I go, I I'm better at shooters than this. Yeah, but it does make... I don't know. I'm fine with you starting out not great. I mean, a lot of games do that. I'm okay from like, like every you know, RPG. No, I'm saying that like they manually, the game automatically moves the rectangle. Yeah, I know. I mean, that happens in other FPSs too. Not in the same way. Like, this is like, this is, I was fine with this in the original Mass Effect because it was an RPG. This one has combat situations that are too tense and too precision driven that I'm okay with it. Like, it's. I also like it's the the fist fighting in the game feels good. And the wailing on stuff with pipes and wood feels okay. I think the stealth feels kind of bad. It's half baked. I think the like it's inconsistent in how the stealth works. And I know like, yes, the clicker differences are different from the other stuff. But like I, I 
the story for the game is great. It's a pretty game. It continues to be a very pretty game. I I just hate how that game plays. I it's it's other dumb stuff like it's it's R it's sorry L one to run, which again in context of the game I get, but also I just don't like. And it's 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 very it's it's a me thing. I'm not taking it's like the year at one game of the year. Fine, whatever it deserved. It was the best game probably that year. It's more the kind of discourse around that game is always it's the best game ever. Can we talk about the combat? Yeah, it's the best game ever. No, no, I want to talk about the actual gameplay mechanics and the number of like really bad trying to find a way to get over a ledge that like maybe if you just gave someone ten fingers up you could gotten over, but no, you had to go find a dumpster to drag over and. It's inconsistent in how that works, and fucking Ellie has a knife that doesn't break, but you're stuck making shivs perpetually, and... Yeah, and you can't recover air... I do not get why a shiv is a one-time-use thing. Especially when I make it out of, like, a fucking duct tape and a part of a scissor. Like, if I was carving them out of wood or chicken bones or plastic toothbrushes, fine, one time only. But I'm pretty sure I could stab at least two people with a shiv made out of a, a half of a pair of scissors. <laughs> just a guess. Just a guess. And also, if I hit someone five times with a 2x4, with a two the 2x4 two doesn't break. And more annoyingly, if I hit someone ten times with a pipe, the pipe also probably doesn't break. I get why you did it, but also, it's really fucking annoying. I, yeah, I... It is mostly that when that game came out, people refused to kind of talk about that game's shortcomings, and that annoyance has left has stuck with me because for like a year, people were like, "Oh, it's the best PlayStation game." And I'm like, "It's good, but can we talk about how bad the combat is? Like, it's fine, but also like it's fucking Far Cry. Like, it is the combat is a worse version of Far Cry 3's combat because at least Far Cry 3 is like, no, no, when you get better at these guns, you get like bullet time aiming. It's it's a gun." It shoots the way the gun's supposed to, not like your character hiccups when you pull the trigger by at random. In the middle of annoying gunfights. Yeah, I, I, I will not be playing The Last of Us 2. I can't bring myself to spend money on it right now. Maybe I'll get around to it eventually, but... <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not trying to be, like, some curmudgeon. Like, I, it's like, I, I, it's, I'm not trying to be part of that fucking narrative going on right now where people are like, oh, The Last of Us 2 is bad, and I'm like, I, I just don't want to play because I don't like Last of Us 1 that much. Oh, it's like, it's, it's, it's the... Is it the lesbian issue? Is it the, like, weird twist that happens? Like, no, I actually think those are kind of cool representations and interesting ideas for a game. And also, Joel is a fucking asshole you shouldn't feel bad about. I, I always go back to the ending of The Last of Us at 1 ends with Joel making an unbelievably selfish decision and dooming the human race. And I'm not going to spoil it because people will get mad about that, but also, like, if, if you... I understand the, like, oh, he's being a good father, and blah, 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 blah. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one broken-ass man who murdered, kidnapped, ran guns, drugs, and, like, is actively a drag on society that's already fucked. I get it, it's his dad arc and his redemption and all that jazz, but also, don't feel bad for Joel. Joel is a bad person. Joel is aware he's a bad person, even. Joel wasn't even a great dad before the apocalypse. He tried, but also wasn't a great dad. Got his kid shot, FYI. That's a bit of an accident, but whatever. I, more importantly, though, I played Hard Space Shipbreaker. It's a relaxing video game about floating in space, taking apart spaceships with a laser gun. It's fun. <laughs>
Yeah, I. It's a new game. It's in early access right now. It feels very in early access in some ways. I had some weird crashes while I was playing it. I, it's. It, it is a game you put on some TV in the background or a podcast, and you just kind of drift through space, cutting apart a, sh- a ship slowly. And it is one of those games that makes me think about Star Citizen in weird ways. From like, yeah, okay, imagine if Star Citizen ships were in this game, how cool that would be. And I go back to playing the video game and stop thinking about Star Citizen. I, it's definitely <laughs> not for everyone thing. I Henry might enjoy it. It's it, it's based off the real life profession of being a shipbreaker, which is a real thing where people go and literally cut decommissioned submarines and ships and other stuff apart for salvage purposes and this game is no yeah. different yeah it's it is one of those professions that like part of me thinks i would really enjoy doing because it's literally the it's literally the profession of destroying and salvaging stuff which is something i have a romanticized perspective on but also the <laughs> this game is like does not shy away from how fucking unbelievably dangerous this profession is oh yeah yeah. I mean, there's a reason why things have been junked. Yeah. It's usually because they're no longer structurally stable. That's Yeah. <laughs> that just I mean, that's I'm well, talking and, about as far as in, you know, in real life. Well, and like in yeah. this game plays off that concept. So the, the the premise of this game is Earth is kind of fucked um in, in typical kind of games like this fashion and you have signed on with a company called Lynx to become, to get off Earth. You've been given kind of passage to another one of the colony worlds or something, or just to get off Earth with with his food and job shortages. And that's all the narrative arc you got going on. Like, it's pretty whatever. Like, the company is upfront kind of like, yeah, we're probably the bad guys in this, but also, like, there's no bad guys. We're just evil and corporate and, like, charge you when we clone you because you died doing an incredibly dangerous job. And, the meta commentary of the game is that like this company is literally keeping you alive and charging you more than you can easily make on a ship salvage for a new body every time you die when maybe being dead would be better actually in that scenario but also they're sending you into this incredibly dangerous job to remove reactors from ships and like literally the entire game takes place in this kind of in this room it's out in space where you are throwing components into blue doors uh materials that like like paneling and stuff into red doors to be forged down and like useful components like antennas and missile pods and stuff or engines down into the salvage grid and it's about kind of finding how to cut things apart safely and when you like have a sealed ship and you pop the air thought you pop the um air seals on it that shit comes out as it escapes into the vacuum and that can kill you or throw you off into space uh, it's it's cool it's, it's very mellow there's not a lot it's it's very like, yep, this is the game. If you're not into it, you're not going to be into this ever. Like, there's no, maybe if I do X, I'll be more into Shipbreaker. And it's like, no, it's, if you think the idea of cutting a spaceship apart in space with a fancy welding tool is cool, this might be a game for you. If not, it's never going to be a game for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm guess they're using cutting torches and stuff. Yeah, like so you uh, at the start of the game you have two and a half tools. You have the grappler which you kind of use to whip things around and tether onto stuff to move around that gets updated to have like little digital tethers you can apply temporarily so you can like chain stuff together to make it easier to throw or easier to kind of control. Like the way to open an airlock is you throw a tether on it, kind of get to the side where you're free of it, then zap the um, kind of bulkhead off of it with your cutting tool, so that pops open, slams open, so you can recover the bulkhead and throw that into the salvager stuff, and you're safe from the air. Yeah, it's 
it kind of feels like you're using the it, you, you are using the grav gun from Halo constantly. It's got, it's got that vibe to it. Like there's not a lot of dialogue. The only spoken character is your like handler, who's like, "Yeah, here's the tutorial. Now go nuts and salvage shit." And then the computer voice of the links being like, "You destroyed an important component. Don't do that." Yeah, it's it's mellow. It's what I'm looking for right now in that kind of time waster game. It's very slow. Like it's unbelievably methodical. I'm playing it on PC. It works with controller or mouse. Mouse is probably a little bit easier. I find the controller to be... Let me rephrase. Traversal in that game, because it's you're just floating in space, is easier on mouse and keyboard. I find orientation easier on a uh, controller. So, it, it works on both. I could, both are totally fine. Uh, it's it's in it's technically in early access right now. Like I said, it feels early access in a couple places. I had a couple weird crashes out of it. It's I'm having fun with it. I'm enjoying it. Like this isn't some go out and buy it game. But if you think the idea sounds cool, go check it out. Like it's the graphics aren't amazing. They're fine. They're exactly what this game should have. Kind of thing. It's it's relaxed. Hmm. If you like the idea of bobbing around space, doing essentially kind of reverse mechanic job on spaceships and the danger is, yo, this is kind of dangerous to do, actually, because the pressurization and nuclear cores and all that jazz. You might find this game cool. I do. I'm having fun with it. And on the Destiny topic, I got around to doing the Prophecy Dungeon, and holy shit is that thing hard, but also holy shit is that thing cool. It is probably the most interesting content in Destiny 2 right now that the majority of the... Uh, the community's not going to ever engage with. Like, it It brings back kind of memories of some of my favorite raiding moments from D1. I, it's... It, the visuals for it are just fucking amazing. The, unlike a lot of other content in that game, it has very... It, it paces itself very well where it has kind of, from a, like, fan perspective, interesting slow moments during it. Like, you go into the dungeon, and there's the actual challenges... And then there's also just chunks where you're, like, riding your sparrow through a weird desert in the middle of, like, some world-between-world stuff, and that's cool. The, the the part dubbed Rainbow Road where you're kind of, like, walking on scarves in space is journey, but in destiny in the weirdest fucking way possible, and it's just a beautiful moment to behold. I The mechanics for it are pretty damn cool, and they're, like, it's... There's one mechanic to it you have to learn. That's the, it's in, it's how they kind of revamp that thing throughout the final boss fight at the end. I think it's a cool idea. It's got kind of an endless runner aspect to it. It's hard as fuck, too. Uh, hmm. The entire dungeon's kind of hard. The cube room is a fucker. The end boss fight is hard in different ways. It's it's, it's just a beautiful moment of that game. I think it's, it, it's what I want that dungeon to be, I think. Like, if, given how... It's based off the idea of the Nine, which is a whole kind of abstract concept in Destiny. It feels appropriately kind of abstract and weird and out there just in a... This is Bungie doing its best work at kind of being high sci-fi fantasy of what that game is. Like, it's... Visually, it's just amazing. Mechanically-wise, it's neat and different, and I dig kind of the light-dark the light dark balance thing they're doing with it. If you can get up to level four, which is no easy task, like, it's... You probably shouldn't be going into that thing when you're not 1050. We did, I did it like mostly at 1040 and got through it, but it was also pretty fucking hard at certain points. Like the cube room is hard. The cube room is unbelievably hard. The cube room may be hands down the hardest thing in all of Destiny right now, and 
it's really cool because of that. Like it's it's simple, but also just holy fuck, is it hard? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is. It is the most like be on your fucking game activity right now in Destiny. I think that's not like trials. Yeah. Mm. It's and it's just cool. I know I keep saying that, but like, if you don't want to look up some visuals for this, at least like it's. It's something everyone that plays that game should see at some point, just because it's beautiful. Like, I, I don't remember the last time. I... Yeah, it was probably... Destiny in general just has cool visuals. Yeah, and this is it some does. of. To, to be honest, like it's and and if there's a you know a dungeon with especially cool visuals, that means it's definitely worth yeah, checking this out. Is, just this is Destiny's interpretation of what a bunch of like. 70s 80s stoner rock album covers would look like like it's got some Pink Floyd <laughs> vibes going on to it I, it's yeah it is it, like one of my clanmates is a guy who like loves skyboxes and he cannot just stop circle jerking how good these skyboxes are and he's right like they are Bungie does amazing skyboxes these are yeah. the best skyboxes Bungie's ever done like Oh, yeah. Every single area of this thing is the best skybox that Bungie's ever done until you get to Rainbow Road and you go, oh, this maybe is the best skybox ever. Okay, this is... Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a beautiful end to this weird this weird year of Destiny we've been into. Like, going from this dungeon into whatever the next season of Destiny will be. Like, whatever next year is... I'm excited again because this dungeon exists and like I it's like this thing was fucking hard but I had a ton of fun with it and we like I had some dare to be stupid moments and like my clan had fun bonding moments because of it and yeah it's it, it, I know like I, I'm not sure if I mentioned on this podcast like the Shattered Throne I know it was a lot of people's like oh my god this thing is so cool and I never clicked with that thing and Zero Hour is cool but it's also kind of a pain in the ass because of the platforming in it and Pit is fun, but Pit is also kind of like, yeah, it's 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 a hive dungeon thing. This thing is like beautiful and unique and different in a way that Destiny hasn't been in a little bit. And uh, it's again, like it goes back to my joke of season of arrivals should just be called season of gambit. Yeah, we brought it back, fuckers. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it's this weird delivery on this idea that I've always kind of said where it's like. What I like about Gambit isn't the game mode. It's the idea of what you're doing. Like it's just like the idea of this game mode is training you to do other activities in the game. Hypothetically, it's paying off in kind of an interesting way, and it, the way it's paying off is cool. Like it's it's both this incredibly intense and incredibly chill dungeon. Like when you have the down moments, the down moments are so like yeah, take it in, enjoy the fact you're riding your spare through this weird desert at kind of twilight. Isn't this pretty? And you're like fuck. Yes, it is Bungie. This is beautiful. Wait till you get to Rainbow Road. You get to Rainbow Road. Holy. Wow. I would just look at this for hours. And you can. There's no timer here. But also, things are going to shoot at you now. <laughs> get on that sparrow and ride, young guardian. Do it. <laughs> enjoy yourself. We enjoyed making this. Yeah, I, it's, I, I know finding groups is hard if you're not in a super active raiding clan and stuff like that, but I, like, if you two can get up to level for this, I will happily try and get you two through it by the end of the season because it is going away at least temporarily. And I like if there's a thing in Destiny 2 that everyone should see and try to experience and just like go through, it is this beautiful nightmare. It's like it is like I keep saying 
It is unbelievably hard, but also like just so cool. So yeah, I th- I think I'm going to sort of quit the clan I'm in and like go on the and use the the 100.io Come join my clan actually. Like we don't have a super active PC environment, but like if you join it, like we have a bunch of people like me that have it on Steam that if you just be like yo do people want to raid on PC or do stuff on PC, we'll be like fuck yeah, let me turn on my computer real quick. I was already playing Destiny. Like we're we're a surprisingly active clan. I guess like fuck it, might as well pimp it now. Like me and my me and the leader of my clan, a guy named Nero, aka Chris. Like we have a new podcast now. It's called Armchair Guardians. Episode one is up, and you can go listen to it on most platforms. Like it's we are actively looking for more people on all platforms. Like it's a, it's every platform except Stadia technically, but also we could do Stadia stuff if you wanted. Clan, like we we are we are a very active clan. Come check us out if you're looking for people to hang with. Yeah, I think I might actually take you up on that because I don't have a clan yeah. currently for it, and want yeah. to jump on and at least mess around with yeah. it. We, we have it. I do. Go ahead, sorry. We have a good Discord. Like the PS4 one is the most active, so I'd recommend like joining that of our four permutations or whatever it is. But like a big chunk of the PS4 crowd is like, yeah, I have it on PC. Why? Occasionally, my wife or my husband wants the TV, and I can just <laughs> keep playing on other platforms. Then, yeah, like we, like the Xbox crowd is really salty about how like their fucking part of the clan got gutted with cross-save happening, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, but, yeah, like, I just, you know, kind of have to know, it's like, as a pretty much only PC player, like, you know, I, I need a, I need a clan that's, like, definitely PC players, like, has people regularly on. Yeah. You know, not necessarily that I have to gather just for, you know, a, a, you know, a dungeon that I have to go out and, like, hunt people down to log on but that I could just log on and there's people on that are wanting to do yeah, you know, no, this, you have to hit the Discord because you have whatever. to swap or whatever, but yeah no, it's, the, the clan is quite active like, it's not as active as it was a couple, like, worthy fucking gutted every clan out there, I think, or Almighty whatever the fuck that season was called that was, that, that was a hard season on most clans, but we are coming back, and like, even on the PS4 side, there's a bunch of us being like yeah, we're only here because someone to raid with on PC right now yeah, the LFG PSC, the LFG PC thing is active. It's on still. <laughs> so here's my question: When it comes to Destiny Two right now, okay, and perhaps this is the question I wanted to ask. So I'm like at nine, ten, nine, thirteen, okay, light level. What the fuck do I do to catch up? Like I okay. log in and it is not clear what like coming like somebody who's coming back. From like All the right. beginning area, I have no idea what the. Uh, okay, fuck to let do. me explain the caps and what you should go through. Um, if you ha- so if you're just joining on right now and you're doing like totally new light or whatever, go through as much of that content as you can. So yes, at the end of this year, Io, Nessus, Mars, and Mercury all go away, and all of the kind of activities involved in those right now go away temporarily kind of thing. they'll be back they'll be back in the future don't worry like we're not losing the leviathan raid permanently but like if you are a person that wants to like see all of the story do red war then do curse of osiris then do Warmind, then do taken and you should be kind of on the track at that point uh not taken um uh forsaken forsaken yeah or- sorry do forsaken and i think that will then lead you into the other stuff that goes on from there and then you'll catch up to where we're at now, which 
which is the year of Shadow Keep. So then do the yeah. Shadow Keep stuff. So do all the stuff on the moon first. A because that unlocks some in-game activities, B because it unlocks one of the dungeons, and C because it's just kind of cool on the moon and it's it's stupid haunted. So get through yeah. that and then it's like so but also while you're doing this you should be kind of passively engaging with the season. And by that I mean get bounties, get bounties, get bounties. A bunch of the bounties you can get that are season specific don't really care where you do them, which is the point of them, so you should be doing those. Yep. And you should be making sure you're overlapping your bounties with whatever activity you're doing. If you're doing Gambit, even if you don't like doing Gambit, like you get rewards by doing X number of matches and doing X number of bounties a week. Make sure you're doing that. But also, let's explain the kind of power leveling part of this game and this work is kind of weird. There are powerful drops, prime engrams, and pinnacle rewards. Uh, primes will always give you, I think it's two above your current level. Uh, um, uh, yeah, primes will do that. Powerful rewards will give you two above your level, and pinnacle weapons give you five above your current level, but there's an asterisk to this. That only matters once you get to 1050. Up until then, you just kind of want to play as much as you can, because loot will drop pretty frequently, and this is one of the more important things about the game. You don't have to have your highest level loot equipped for the game to say, okay, this is your highest possible level. So, like, if you have gear you like using, and it's not, like, way below content level, just use that temporarily. It's fine, but keep, but keep like, a rolling check of, like, have your highest gear on you at all times, and throw it out when it's no longer the highest gear thing. Like, it's the... Oh, yeah. Don't... you like, Honestly, like, unless you're me and you have some really good gear already, you shouldn't care about almost any of the gear you're getting unless you get a fantastic drop or roll on something until you get to 1040 at a minimum. Really, like, 1010, maybe you can start caring about things, but, like, 1040 is the soft cap, or is the, like, is the start of the, um, contracted power level, or contracted leveling for gear and stuff like that. So get to 1040, and then to get to 1050, you'll have to start caring about powerful engrams and prime and pinnacle rewards and all that stuff. But you should still level pretty easily up to 1050, you'll just do a slowed process. And at 1050, you're at the soft cap, and that's when it becomes... You can't imprint, you can't increase your power level without prime engrams, powerful rewards, and pinnacle gear. And that that may be actually maybe maybe forty to fifty. I, I never quite could figure out where it stops, but like ten fifty is when the game gets harder to power level. At. That's also when you're at the majority of level for everything at the game. Like uh, oh yeah, but also definitely that, make sure you always get a banshee like banshees yeah uh, stuff because I mean that's that's how you're going to be able to level up if you find something good you'll be able to, you know, bring it up to the level or whatever your level is. Also, if you have the season pass, then you'll get the seasonal item. Yeah. Which will artificially inflate, in a certain sense, artif well, I say that, it'll but inflate also, your pro light tip level. On that, get, uh, so the level, the armor you pull out of the season pass will kind of like be like a prime engram reward. It'll always be a little bit higher than your current level is. If you save those till later on in the season before you pull them, because you're just kind of burning through gear, they'll be more rewarding, ultimately. They'll, they'll be yes. an easier way to get to power stuff. Like, if you start pulling them at 1040, you'll get more out of them than if you pull them at, like, 1,000. It's weird math, and, like, the general answer is you'll kind of know when you get to the, when you start getting to the caps, because you'll start getting a lot less level out of gear, and you'll notice it just kind of almost instantaneously. So, like, it's really just play the game and, like, play a lot of the game and play activities that give you rewards. 
And like the yeah. moon is important because it's got like the harbor and stuff like that. It's got repeatable activities that give you a lot of gear. Hell, you get a pretty decent set of gear out of just being on the, doing the moon storyline. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm just trying to get to the to the first soft like to the first gear cap. Yeah. Like if I were to jump on, let's say, right after the podcast, theoretically, what should I do? Like, what specifically could I do to start catching up as soon as possible? Like, as fast as possible for the, like, I've already done Moon. Like, you and I actually did Moon. Yeah, together. yeah. Um, Vanguard strikes are probably the fastest way to just kind of burn through gear because you get to kill a lot of enemies and they drop stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, I like- they drop stuff a lot, and if you're taking, you know, like, the, you know, the bounties... Then you'll get even more. Well, and also, okay. like, uh, of the three kind of weekly activities, I guess four, technically. Uh, so, like, your, your trinity is you have Crucible, you have Gambit, and you have the Vanguard Strikes. Of those three, the Vanguard Strikes are the most forgiving of you have a shit loadout because you're running bounties. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in theory, you can go through them the fastest on Crucible or Gambit because player kills count more than, anim- than enemy kills. But, like, you will, in theory, burn through more weapon bounties and just you'll fight more stuff and there'll be more drops and there's a chest at the end of every Vanguard run and there's certain stuff in the season pass and also gear your pickup that will make just, like, boss fights and that thing trivial. Like, um... Yeah. My my pro tip is, in the season pass, get to fucking falling guillotine as fast as you can. Because holy shit is that sword good. Like, it is... Mm. It is the most powerful legendary, maybe the most powerful heavy weapon in the game right now. Okay. And I, I personally like the good swords. Yeah, it is. Like I use, I use the black talon if I'm not using any other. Yeah, and uh, exotic. There's a second a sword that's the, um, I think it's called like a liar's hook or something. That's a legendary version of black talon, and it's not exotic. Like that's that's part of the cell. Like it's, I guess also embrace the idea that like there are. And this is not me. So this doesn't mean not this isn't me knocking Black Talon. Destiny has a weird philosophy. Where if you find yourself running an all legendary gear thing, you're not fucking up. Like there are times in the game no, where there's some very good legendary yeah. gear. Yeah, like it's it's Destiny one. Especially had a the pinnacle weapons. Some of the pinnacle weapons are just yeah awesome. Yeah, and like, really good. Yeah, it's important to grab as it's like yeah, it's one of those things where you want as many bounties at once because those will help you level up through the season pass, which is important and. Yeah, it's catching. So you'll get to 110 pretty quickly. Like, I managed to get from, I think I was at like 1,000 to 1040 in like two days of. Okay. Yeah, it's. That was some relatively heavy playing, but it was also some real garbage casual playing. Like, there's also now the great system of. You have the Umbral Engrams, which are a whole other fantastic system to the game. And I'm going way longer on this than I thought I would. And. Maybe there should be a fucking Destiny podcast episode on how the fuck you catch up at this point. But yeah, so I would definitely tune in. <laughs> yeah, so the the Umbral Engrams, like, they're almost always going to give you higher level gear than you currently have, whether you yes. do the attunement thing on them or not, and they drop from fucking everything, so long as you've picked the right kind of ticks from the upgrade tree for that. And also that's just a great system. Like if you want weapons, you can say, yo, I want weapons, and I there are some amazing weapons this season. I just got to think it's called like um, Cold Justice or something. It's a heavy pulse rifle. I think it's my favorite weapon in the game right now. 
Mm. It, it made me stop using some of my favorite other guns in the game. Like, nah, this thing feels real good. Like, I know I said it last week. I probably, like, last week the first, yeah, last week was the first week it was out. Like, this is a good season to be playing Destiny. Like, there's, there is stuff going on in this game that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did get a chance to tune in and see the, uh, the Drifter thing where he has his own voice recorded on the thing that filters yeah. out. That's, yeah, that's the, Engrams, the, that's the and I, was, yep. I had that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Like the, the sense of humor in this season is great. Like I again, if you want like me and Nero's thoughts on this season of Destiny so far, go check out the podcast. We liked it a full to channel my inner Alex. We named our first episode level arrivals after this season, and also the arrival of the first podcast. We thought we were being clever or some bullshit. Like it is two people that play way too much fucking Destiny, really digging into what we do and don't like about this season, and like. We don't dislike anything yet. Like we're both kind of like, okay, yeah, like this. All seasons go bad eventually, but holy shit, does this season seem really good? Yeah, yeah. Like now, this. Now, my question for you is: It really good because it's just a good content season, or is it really good because it's suffering from the WoW syndrome, where the previous season was so bad so that this season we, was good? We talked about that, and. Uh, the kind of I guess the again go check out the Armchair Guardian podcast. Armchair Guardians, sorry, it's an S at the end of Guardians because there's two of us. Like we, we dug into the sum and it definitely kind of got an oh this might be cool moment from Almighty being a shit season, but like it's doing things that like we didn't expect this season to do. Like the the big repeatable activity this season is the public events or is the public event and the public event is just fun it's pure chaos it's destiny at its best it's like it doesn't require you to have everyone with you you can make meaningful progress during it by yourself but also unlike seraph towers that were an unlike mitigated soul-sucking activity people want to do this so also people are just showing up to do it with some frequency so you're not finding yourself in groups all by yourself and unlike the seraph towers the payoff for this is once a week you get a quest that says, okay, go do a bunch of these public events. Okay, why? You're gonna go and do a story mission after that. Why? We're doing something. We were built, like, this This is the best season Destiny has had all year, I think. Like, I loved Season of the Dawn, because Saint-14 came back, and that was me fanboying hard. I, If you were to pick a time span of, the, of this entire year of Destiny, I think it's really hard not to say this might even be better than Shadowkeep was. Oh. Like, Shadowkeep has the advantage of being the big content drop of the year, and we got the moon back, and the Shadowkeep strike is cool, and there's cool stuff, but, like, the exotic you get this year from the, the this season from the season pass is unbelievably good. It's not, like, broken good, but, like, it's powerful in the way you want it to be, and you can use it well. Like, I, in the Prophecy Dungeon we did, like, my Dare to be Stupid moment was, like, we were having a problem at the cube, and I'm like, hang on. Let me try something. And the guys we were running with, like, no, Wither Horde won't fix this situation. And Wither Horde fixed the fucking situation. Because I have, if, if Season has taught me nothing, it's, I have a problem. Have you tried shooting it with Wither Horde yet? No? Do that and see if it's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah, Wither Horde is good. Real good. But not in a broken way. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's good no. because if used and applied correctly, it's a fucking powerful tool if kind of spammed 
relentlessly you don't have enough ammo and be like why are people killing me so much with this it's me being there like oh because i'm running a shit ton of mods that give me tons of ammo for this bullshit and i'm killing like i'm getting like six kills minimum per shot from this in a pve activity yep oh yeah, yeah. Like, i mean that's the thing it's 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 like i mean that's the thing like grenade launchers in general are just great crowd clearers this one's an especially good one yeah for many different reasons yeah, and like unlike a lot of other stuff we've gotten out of the season pass, it's just fun. Like using Wither Horde is a fun weapon and like has forced me to use other weapons I would never normally use because they were in my energy slot, and that's where Lord of Wolves or Jotun lives. Yeah, like uh for instance, like, you know, the Tommy gun, the the matchbook, not a great weapon. Fucking really. garbage weapon. Like I Symmetry not, was but fine, but also, like, I have, fine. Not, I have scout not, rifle. I, I don't even use it. Yeah, Randy's throwing knife is a better scout rifle than Symmetry ever was. And yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure I'll use Symmetry when they sunset my poor Randy's, but at the same time, like, I, I going back to it, like, this is the first season that, like, Fallen Guillotine is great, Hook is great, the auto rifle, like, is weirdly cool, the, um... The cold, uh, cold justice. The pulse rifle I just got. It's a blast. Like I forgot how. Like it's. I, I'm not overhyping. It is a cool gun for cool people, kind of thing. Like it is. It is a heavy scout. It's a heavy pulse rifle, which we haven't gotten a new one of those in a while. And I've forgotten how much fun that archetype could be. And they fixed the archetype, so the archetype's actually good now. And oh, it just it hits. It's it, it's a good season. Like it, it's it's one of those things. Rick, imagine if you got. Like, imagine the high of Legion, but also, like, it's, like, it was also defendably good and not just, like, hey, we're in the cycle of it being a good season. And then also, like, Legion did things where it's, like, oh, hey, we're actually going to tie up all the thought, uh, a bunch of the plot threads from this year that, like, no one expected us to actually do. Like, in throwaway dialogue, Season of Arrivals has done more to tie up loose ends in Destiny, than entire seasons dedicated to tying up loose ends. Like, just the banter between Eris and Drifter is great, and also, like, brings back some concepts that are like, oh, right, I forgot about that. That's fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and it's good because they've been planting the Drifter thing for a long time. Yeah, I, if you want me to expand further on this and kind of why, like, yes, the Drifter's my favorite kind of NPC character in the game, A, because... I ain't no snitch, and B, because Drifter is awesome and Gambit is great, but, like, if you want a breakdown of, like, why the Drifter is so important and why he is so cool from, like, a lore and, like, not me being fanboyish perspective, just, like, the, the hard lore of Destiny and, like, why Drifter and Eris are motherfucking badasses that, like, should, I, I, should be some of the most respected characters in the lore of that game, just from, like, their exploits and just, like, what they have done and survived, go check out uh, the mo the first episode of Armchair Guardians. Like, we we went hard in, like, the fact that, like, they are opposite ends of the spectrum in, like, equally badass ways. Like, it's... And, like, what... The, and, and they've existed for a very specific reason that this season is finally kind of bringing into focus and being like, yeah, um... You guys know the Drifter is one of the oldest Guardians still alive, right? Right? Yeah, I, it's it's just a good season across the board. Like, I, 
as much as I enjoyed Dawn, this is a better season, hands down, I think. Like, I, I think we've kind of waffled back and forth on the other podcast, but this is Destiny at its best in some ways. Like, and also, there's a bunch of stuff to do. There's a bunch of raids right now. There's three dungeons. Like, Pit of Heresy you can do once you get to 1,009... Say 1,000. I think, like, the immediate level for it's, like, 960 or 950 or something. And I can definitely run you guys through that when we get to it. I, I know Henry needs to for Xenophage. Like, yeah, Xenophage is in a great spot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind picking up Xenophage. Yeah. We can do that at some point. Yeah, we but, should get Alex that quest, and then we can run. I can run both of you through it. But anyways, yeah. that's that, that's Destiny. The Prophecies engine is real cool, guys. I like it. <laughs> what have you two been up to? Um. Well, I have. Well, obviously, you know, things are just kind of winding down with WoW right now. So I've been dabbling in a few other games here and there, occasionally. Um, I'm trying Apparently to get Destiny. Copy. Yeah, one of them being Destiny. But uh, I think I've mentioned, too, I, I started loading up Street Fighter V again recently for no reason, other than just to kind of play it again. And, uh, I mean, it, it's been all right. But I actually, yeah, I dove into Destiny 2. And it was one of those things where, like, how can I describe it? You know in Home Alone 2, when Macaulay Culkin goes to that giant toy store and he, all he can do is just be absolutely in awe of everything around him? Yeah. That's what it felt like. At the same time, I felt like a kid who was lost in New York because I had no idea what the fuck to do. Yeah, it's uh, it, part of why I enjoy playing with Henry so much is I've been playing Destiny so long I've kept up with it, and it's important to be reminded how not maybe great the new light slash returning experience is, especially without a clan to be like, go do this right now. Yeah, like, it's really, like, it's, it, if I guess... Like, the game itself is great. Don't get me wrong. And I enjoy playing Destiny 2 when I do play it. The thing is, though, as, like, a guy who's coming back to play for, like, playing a while ago. Yeah. This game does very little to steer you in the right direction of what you should do every week. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, I have to go, it's one of the same situations people have with WoW. With, like, if, if, if you add something to WoW and it's not easy enough to figure out quest-wise that you have to jump on an alternate site in order to figure out what you're doing, that's horrible design in the game. And WoW has been plenty guilty of that a while ago. But, like, Destiny 2 also is really bad about it. Yeah, I, WoW also has kind of a through line of, like, there's a semi-story to follow. The seasonal content stuff makes it a little bit more problematic, but, yeah, it's it, mostly it's just, yeah, you're not wrong. It's it's a thing I think Bungie even acknowledged in their reveal of, um, Beyond Darkness, they're like, yeah, no, New Light's got problems, we're aware. Yeah. That being said, though, don't don't let my experience of that take anything away from people wanting to jump and try Destiny 2. It is a great game that handles beautifully well. So, um, yeah, so that being said, I was jumping into that. Um, I, I said, I, I think I was playing a little bit yesterday, actually. Um, Actually, no, it wasn't late night. It was sometime in the afternoon because Mandy was doing some stuff around the house. Um, yeah, and, like, I was trying to kind of figure it out, but for the most part, I was like, okay, I guess I can just start doing these things and kind of started going through the quests. It got really annoying because, like, since my light level is low enough, when I try to do some of these, like, invasion or public events that are currently involved with You get the, wrecked. I, not only do I get wrecked, all my damage says immune yeah. after a certain point. It literally says I can't do anything. 
So I just felt fucking useless. If it makes you credit. Yeah, if it makes you feel better. So that's if it makes you feel better. All of us had that reaction. Like the final wave of that is like a 1040 or something. And coming out of Season of the Mighty, we were like, oh, no, we were very under level shit. Yeah. So now that I've talked to you guys, I think I'm just going to run through vanguards and all that and just try to get fucking caught up that way first. But. Yeah, my light level's so fucking low. Yeah. I'm at 9.10 or something like that. I'm literally useless. Yep. So. No, and I guess, like, uh, back to the, like, okay, what should you do? The game, like, maybe doesn't best at saying this, but, like, that light level's important. Like, if you're you're having an instance where you're hitting stuff that says immune, get out of that area (laughs) or stop doing that thing. Yeah. So... That being said, though, um, I do look forward to trying out the season more. I like the fact that they, they give you these ungrams that are a little bit more focused. Like, hey, you want gear? Okay. Do you yeah. want a gun from this thing? Do you want armor from this? Like, I, that's a good system. Which is, like, again, one of the things they used to sh- I'm going to use WoW as my comparison here. But, like, like, WoW has gotten a little bit better about listening to certain things. Like, adding... A PvP vendor so you can buy the gear that you want as opposed to just getting 100% completely random bullshit. Yeah. Which is a dumb system. And I think this system of like, hey, you can choose to buy something that would be really good for the PvP kind of setup and things like that is a good system. Yeah, it's it's not quite that specific. You can It's basically saying like, okay, I want armor. Okay, I want like weapons. Or like, I want rifles. Give me a rifle. And you still have it. There's still a grinding aspect of it, but yes. It's, yeah, yeah, but it, you can focus it as opposed to being like, oh, well, my last three Ingrams this week have been nothing but fucking hand cannons. Yeah, yes. I just want a fucking rifle. Like, that kind of thing. That I think that's a great system to at least give the player some kind of agency in their progression. Yeah, no, and, the thing. That's why, and that's something the player base has responded to incredibly favorably. Like, it's the reaction you're having is the one we're all like, wait, what? We can actually kind of tell what, the game what we want? Cool. Yeah. Anytime a, a game can give a player agency in their own like evolution or development is a good design. Like that's that's that works. Yeah. And so it took wow a long fucking time to realize it again, despite the fact that they had it before, but they brought it in. And I feel like I don't know if maybe this is just my ignorance in the matter, but I think this is one of the first times I've seen in Destiny where you can specifically focus on non exotic items if you will um not quite that's um, what i figured the menagerie had a system like this with the chalice and actually the other good season season of the dawn had a similar system okay that was more about selecting specific weapons to do stuff for it's they've done other stuff they're kind of fine-tuning on it like this is this is more reminiscent of menagerie in some ways but also it's it's more random than Menash. I think it's it's the sweet spot between, okay, it's still kind of random, but also, hey, you at least kind of get to influence what it is in a broader sense. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I was just just kind of like, it, yeah. it, it, it's a good system, I guess. It's just what I'm trying to say. Like, it, it feels better to give the player some kind of control as opposed to just their only control being go do this content and hopefully you'll get the drop you want. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Uh, but yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I haven't been really up to much. Just did a lot of cleaning. I did, uh, as Charlie had mentioned before in our preamble, uh, 
I did go through a thing where I shaved a bunch of my hair off my head, and I kind of had some fun with it and gave myself the Ambrose Burnside uh, for a bit, which is just the big old puffy mutton chops with the <laughs> the old man, uh, was it, what do they call it, the shoehorn look? I don't know. Yeah. And then now I'm rocking the Hulk Hogan uh, fucking handlebar mustache, so I'm keeping that for a couple days, and we'll see how I like it. But, yeah, this hair was getting too long, and trying to wear a mask with all the the uh, facial hair is not a good feeling, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. All right, so as far as what I was up to, I, I hadn't really... Uh, yeah, I mean, I played some Destiny 2 finally, like, like longer than, like, you know, a few minutes or, like, 30 minutes of it. And, yeah, I got to really get a feel for the new the new season, and, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I like the new public event. It's actually fun, but that's because I like Gambit. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of obvious. And this season's, the, uh, the... The bounties, I think, are better. <clears throat> the bounties are a lot better. I, I like them a lot better than the ones for the, yeah, for the last season. So yeah. Mm. So other than that, I played a very interesting game called Wheels of Aurelia. It came out a few years ago, actually. It's not super new, but I got it free through Epic because Epic keeps throwing free games at me, yeah. and. It's a really interesting game. It's uh, it's based during the years of lead in Italy, and which is a, I mean, it's fairly recent historical time. The game itself takes place in 1979, and so that's fairly recent. And the, the years of lead were essentially, uh, there was a lot of fighting and a lot of basically violence between fascists and communists essentially and so you had sort of extreme groups doing basically bombings and kidnappings and all sorts of stuff so i mean it's an interesting point in history to place this game and but yeah it's important to kind of know the context of the game to kind of understand why some people have certain ideas, what they're talking about in some cases. Like, you may be kind of lost, like, what are they, what are they talking about? Who is, who is kidnapped? Yeah, if you read up Years of Lead in, in Italy, then you'll kind of know what's going on. But the game itself is, it's a driving game. It's a narrative-driven driving game. And so the mechanics of it are that, are very simple. You're just sort of driving along. You can pick up, uh, hitchhikers or not and the way it works is it has a branching branching storyline mm. so different things you do there's a lot of different endings it's fairly short it's really pretty short but there's a lot of different endings you can end up with and so it has so one of the mechanics is picking up hitchhikers or not another major mechanic is the dialogue is the way the dialogue tree works where essentially you'll have a couple of different choices to say at any different points of time. Like if you're responding to who is sort of, you're with you for a lot of the journey, as well as the hitchhikers, what you say, what you talk about. All these things have an effect on the sort of 
the way the storyline runs and the way it branches out. But yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I like narrative driven games. I've played a lot of them. And this and so that's I mean and I also like the fact that it takes place within a historical kind of very interesting historical period. I mean, I've you know mentioned many times that that's whole history thing is why I like the whole Assassin's Creed franchise in general. Mm. I really enjoy history and I enjoy reading about history. And this was, you know, something a point in history that or a uh, point in place in history that I only knew a little bit about. I mean, I I knew about it, knew some of the major events, but not that much about it and it kind of caused me to kind of go down the rabbit hole of reading more about period of history but yeah the but yeah the game itself is really neat i mean you play you play a character uh I don't really know how to pronounce her name i think it's lele but yeah i mean it's or lel but yeah um you basically yeah you play you're driving people around and having conversations and that's the real crux of the game that's where all the mechanics are the driving mechanics are really simplistic. I mean, it's sort of left and right arrows and then, like, space bar to go faster, essentially, and that's it. So the drive mechanics are just a vehicle to, to drive the game plot along. But I like the idea of picking up hitchhikers and that affecting the gameplay as well. That's a really... It's a neat touch. And I think it works really well, like... The game has kind of received mixed reviews, I think, but I think that may be from people who aren't as interested in history as I am, and aren't as interested in sort of historical fiction as I am. And this is a this is definitely a niche game. Like, if you don't care about historical fiction, you're not going to enjoy it. If you're looking for like a something with really sharp driving mechanics, this isn't it. The driving mechanic is secondary. It it doesn't drive the plot, it carries the plot, in a certain sense. In that, yeah, it depends on who you pick up as a hitchhiker, and, I mean, that's really kind of the main thing that you really do with the car, it's just whether or not you pick up a hitchhiker, and where they want to be dropped off at, because there are branches in the road, you can choose to go to different areas in Italy. Hmm. And that will depend on who you've picked up because different people want to go different places and you're not really going anywhere in particular. Yeah, and not only do you get to find out about other people, you find out more about the character, the main character that you're playing as. And so, the so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I haven't played through nearly all the branches of it because there's a lot. There's a lot of pretty heavy subjects talked about. And, you know, not necessarily all heavy. Occasionally, like, in one instance, you know, I don't want to give up too much, but in one instance, you're talking about soccer or football, as most of the world knows it as. You're talking about, you know, teams there, and seeing different conversations branch off of different subjects. It's a, it's a well... I feel like it's a well-crafted game. I think the people that complain about the mechanics are, like, it's not about the driving. It's not about sort of playing GTA 1 and 2, where the top-down driving part is essential. It's just a plot device, as it were. A way to 
carry the story. That's not the important part. If that's what you're focusing on, then you've literally missed the point in the game, and you aren't going to enjoy it because you probably don't enjoy historical fiction. But I love historical fiction. If you're interested in something that takes place during a, you know, pretty important recent history of Italy, then I highly recommend playing it. It'll, if you and if you just have a curiosity, play it, and it'll probably send you down you know a path of reading more about this very turbulent time in history. That there again, not you know you may not know that much about, but it's definitely fascinating. And you, yeah, it's it's political. Yeah, I mean, don't it's not a light play. I mean, it's political topics, social topics, it goes heavy on all of it. And I, just in a few playthroughs, I'm like, there's a lot of different paths here. Like, just with what's introduced, there's a lot of different paths, and I can get why they made it relatively short, but gave it widely branching paths. It's, it'll take you too long, it'll take you a long time if it was like, that many paths in a longer game, but yeah, I definitely recommend it. It was free on Epic, but even not free, it's a cheap game. It's not expensive at all. Like I don't know exactly how much of it it is, but it's way under twenty, maybe twelve or something like that. It's not an expensive game, and the graphics are neat. Like the art style is very cool. I enjoy, really enjoy the art style. I enjoy the general look of the game. I just it just looks nice. It's not like yeah, it's not meant to be super detailed, but like the color palette and the general design is really neat. It's really clean. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a great game. I'm going to go against the other the critics and and highlight the fact that if this if this sounds like it you know, if these types of things sound interesting to you, then I highly recommend it. If you're looking for a driving game, this isn't it. This is a narrative game. And for a very specific point in time and in a specific place. So, but yeah, that's that's really the main game. I, I kind of looked into playing some other ones in my library, but I wanted a game that was a little bit easier. Like a sort of, you know, whereas yeah. Destiny is so, Destiny 2 is so intensive, like, you're, you know, you have to, it's an FPS. Oh, so, yeah, no, that's I mean, why it's... I tapped into my Space Wrecking game this week. It came out, but also it's like, yeah, just chill. Yeah, and so while it's covering very heavy subjects, the game itself is pretty relaxing. I mean, the driving portion, you can't crash. You can't crash out. You, when you bump into cars, it slows you down, and you just kind of, kind of bounce around and pass through them can't crash by heading off the road it'll just bounce you back so i mean there's no there's no fear of being bad at driving in the game and it, you could just you could probably not even steer and the game would still be fine there you don't take any damage there's no damage meter there again the driving part is just carrying the plot okay yeah so you could literally probably go hands off if you wanted to, and not even turn. Like, you'll just bounce you around, and you'll stay on the road. So it's not so crazy taxi, is what I'm hearing. No, no. It's 
Yeah, there's no damage, there's no timer. It's really about the just the journey of it. I, and the, it may vary from situation to situation. How long, I guess... Like it, I'm, I guess like my interpretation would be like every kind of pickup you do is... like Mission feels like the wrong title for it, but I can't think of a better kind of generic term for it. Like How long, I guess, is the typical kind of segment of the game, I guess? Or like in-game moment? There's, it's not really segmented like that. I okay. mean, the thing is, like, they, 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 everything's overlap. So it's not really segmented, I would say, because you can entirely skip Hitchhikers. Uh, and, yeah, I guess. And have another Hitchhikers will overlap onto, well, this one wants to go here, but this one wants to go to a place further on. So, yeah, there's not really segments. But a typical playthrough, you could play it in less than 30 minutes, probably. This is getting into the weeds some. Like, uh, if you had two hitchhikers in the cart, would they play off each other? Or kind of, like, is there... They can. Okay. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different combinations you can have in your car. And there again, like, some of them want to go to different places, and who you pick up will change that. What was the like, name again? Wheels of Aurelia. And that's A-U-R-E-L-I-A. Yeah, I'm going to try and guess into the habit of saying the name of games we're playing more often. Yeah. In case you go on for a while between when we started talking about them, we said the name. That does sound cool. I, it's like, I, like, if you see, check out the artwork. It's yeah. neat artwork, but these, it's it's such a cool story. And like I said, it's a, in it with a, the environment around it, the time it takes place in the era is fascinating. It's really interesting like, and do you have a favorite moment i guess so far or now nah, would that be a spoiler um spoilers okay there's there's a lot of cool moments cool. that can that can happen and then moments that may not happen i don't want to give it away because there's it's all is about the moments the game is entirely about the moments yeah yeah so i hope you have a generic like thing that happened where you're like saying this doesn't matter to the grand scheme of things but like give you a real sense of it that that totally makes sense I mean, there's, I mean, there's all you, and one of the dialogue choices, I think this is something that's, that's rare. You can choose to say nothing. And that, like, there's, they usually have two choices and then the choice of just not answering. Or when a prompt comes up, just not starting a yeah. conversation. So that's unique too. So that's, that's something I don't, I, I don't even remember if I've seen that in other dialogue trees for most games. The ability to just sort of remain silent and be a silence itself is a response in context. You know, what your silence, you know, what that can kind of mean. That's a response in itself. And I don't think that's used often enough in, in dialogue trees where you can be like, just sort of like, you know, silence can mean so many different things in so many different con in contexts. And. Yeah, I some yeah, silence can say a million words. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one u very unique thing I'd say about the dialogue system. The use of silence, the use of just not answering. Okay. Maybe not quite what I was looking for, but yeah, that 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 kind of gives a sense of what the game's kind of going at, I guess, in a kind of second to second kind of way. Yeah, it's very much based the dialogue is important. And, yeah, you can say nothing as well. Like, you can just not answer, and that will be an answer in itself. Mm. 
it's it there is a timer on it so that's gotcha but the nice thing is you don't have to press anything you'll just if you just press up and down essentially to choose which answer you want when the timer runs out that's what you'll say gotcha okay but yeah uh definitely i think it's a it's a nice game yeah but yeah it's that's kind of the only games i played this week um, I have not dove into the itch.io super mega pack for uh, you know Black Lives Matter, and uh, but yeah, I but I do still plan on going into that, but I haven't really touched any games in that. I think some of them I played already, so that'll. But I yeah. don't know at this point. I barely looked at it. I've kind of skimmed over the titles, but haven't really dove into them. But when I start, I'll start streaming that. But yep, that's that's pretty much my week. Yeah, I suppose that means it's news time. What news time? We're gonna start this week off with some hot controversy. Uh, Guinness Book of World Records has reinstated Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong record. Uh, it, it it's not that. It, <laughs> It's not that he's officially gotten it back. It's just kind of the lawsuits and the extra stuff around it are enough of a pain in the ass. It's kind of a fuck it. We don't care enough. Have your fucking title back, dude. Yeah, like Guinness. Yeah, Guinness, which isn't necessarily the arbiter of like meaningful records, just was like, we're not spending money on a court case for this, whatever. But the thing is, and I, I think we have talked about it. He he cheated for those scores. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not saying that he's not legitimately good at the game. He is. He actually is. But for his highest scores that he's posted, those are cheated. Those are cheats. And this has been really clearly proven. Jace Hall ran like a three-hour stream looking at the, yeah. at the evidence, and like Omni Gamer, uh, who's who's part of debunking the or the uh, revealing the dragster cheat also has a good video on it. Much shorter video that's easier to digest. I assume but, they're still out there, but if you can go and find some of Billy Mitchell's live streams on Twitch from the last couple years when he was like super pissed about having his title stripped, you, you get a real sense about like if you're sitting there going like, okay, why does Billy Mitchell care that much? He like this dude was Mr. Fucking Donkey Kong. Like his entire life is built around this enough that. And Pac-Man. Yeah. And really, Pac-Man even more than Donkey Kong, to be to be yeah, honest. Yeah. But, but it, it, it kind of makes sense that Guinness is looking at this going, like, we don't want to fucking deal with the lawsuit this will bring. Like, it will be contentious and way too long, and we're a silly book full of, like, records that increasingly are completely meaningless as people game the system. Yeah. But it's still banned on Twin Galaxies. Yep. I mean, it's it's still like his records are not on those those are not records on Twin Galaxies. The official keeper of such news. I feel like, or at least one you know vetted keeper. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the the forums on there are pretty good at vetting stuff in a very fair manner, and ex- in finding out what's what's obviously cheating and what's not. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those weird situations where, like, oh, is this, like, you know how every year there's a different Zodiac symbol that's like, oh, this is the year of the rat. This is the year of this, if you will, right? Uh, I feel like 
this is the year Billy Mitchell has his record, and then the next year he won't have his record again. Sure. It's kind of the weird toggle we live but he, in now. But he, but he doesn't. He still doesn't have the record, really. That's what I'm yeah, saying, though. Like, we're, we're, we're in that limbo of the of the Zodiac gaming oh, no, circle. We're, we're where... just saying it's back in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Like, it's, like, if that's you're getting your facts on things, um, get facts better places. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, the Guinness World Records have just turned into, if you just have the money and time to do something ridiculous, you'll get in there. It's like, or just fine since it's never been done before either. Like that's that's yeah. the gaming of the system at this point. Yeah, it's like I will drink a hundred bottles of Coke. Okay, well, that's not really a meaningful record. That's just <laughs> put yeah. it in the book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but you know where it, you know where it actually matters, and you know where the people actually care about it, which is the video game community. He's already been exposed as a fraud for those high scores. His other high scores that were that were real still stand. Yeah, you know, place very high. Dude's not totally they, forgotten to the annals of time. Just like this one weirdly, like the, the fact it's 2020 and we're talking about the high score of fucking Donkey Kong is ridiculous. But also makes sense for the nightmare we live in now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's 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 always going to be people who enjoy yeah. classic gaming. But yeah, it's he's still a cheat. But yeah, and so yeah, whatever. I like Jace Hall's. Jace Hall got contacted for a comment on it. He just sent the Kermit drinking tea meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you take what you will of that, but. Yeah, he he, we kind of know where he stands on that because it's not going back into Twin Galaxies. That's not happening. Yeah. Also, a yeah. uh, l- little tidbit for you guys: Jace Hall worked at Monolith. Do you guys remember Monolith? Oh yeah, Monolith made the Matrix Online. Yep. And there's my segue for Matrix Online this week. Thank you, folks. It was a journey. <laughs> Appreciate it. Now we can move on. Well, while we're actually so, th- so thank you for providing this little segue for me, Alex. We're gonna talk about now about two socially irrelevant things that refuse to die because certain fan bases keep bringing them up over and over again, <laughs> long past their <laughs> sell-by dates at this point. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Duke Nukem and Blood Rain, two franchises that no one in 2020 should give a rat's ass about in some ways, but for totally different reasons. Uh, so once again, Duke Nukem is lawsuit city again because yeah gearbox is suing 3d realms for breach of contract in regard of Tuke nukem franchise I... why 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 are they fighting for duke, duke what why at this point i'm i'm with you on this one why uh and... all right so this one is just because all right so and all right, I'm gonna try to summarize this as much pos- as much as possible. Gearbox was supposed to get the Duke Nukem franchise, just all of it good. It's done. There's nothing going on with it. It should be a done deal. They shouldn't have to deal further with it. But the problem is the recent lawsuit brought against Gearbox by an original composer. They're angry. Basically, they're like, we shouldn't be facing lawsuits about about I buying a franchise. Yeah. A thing we should own. And so that's the problem. So that's why they're suing Apogee. They're like, Apogee, 
it's kind of a bad faith thing. Like, you sold us a franchise, but there were legal problems with you selling us this franchise. And we, but you sold us this franchise with the notion that there was no problems with it, that it's just we, we buy it and that's it. The fact that we've had to face a lawsuit over the fact that there were still hanging threads on it, that's why we're suing you. So it's sort of a, there wasn't like, it wasn't sold in good faith and it wasn't sold properly. In some ways, they... this is the most legitimate lawsuit the Duke Nukem saga has had. Like, this is yes. like the least weird and why are you doing this? But it's also one of those ones where it's, it's fucking Duke Nukem. Like, I, I know people, like, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, the greats of shooter, like Doom and Duke Nukem. No, one of those things does not belong in that comparison. Yeah. Like I mean, no, well, I will say Duke Nukem, as far as FPSs, has a pretty important place in history. It in did a history, lot. yes. As an enduring legacy, Duke Nukem no. is best no. left by the wayside. Yeah. and But yeah, I get why this case is going through. They, they shouldn't be facing lawsuits on something they bought because it wasn't their fault. Like, Gearbox isn't the one who, who, who cheated the composer out of royalties. It was Apogee that did that. So, basically, yeah, there are unresolved liabilities, but they sold it with the notion that there were no unresolved liabilities. So, but yeah, I mean, Duke Nukem forever in court. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so in a much less complicated, but equally kind of head-scratchy, but for different reasons, move, um, Blood Rain was in the news. If you don't remember Blood Rain, it was the sexy red-haired lady vampire video game that comprised stealth elements, and kind of Bayonetta-style character action stuff. It's very of the 90s. It was never an amazing game, but it was a fun game. Like, I have fond memories of it in the same way that I have fond memories of Bayonetta. Like, it, it, it was Bayonetta before Bayonetta was a thing, and the rights to that, along with a bunch of other Majesco licenses, have been bought by Ziggurat Inter Interactive. It's kind of amongst a swath of other things, including Advent Rising, Raises Hell, and Flips and Flips Twisted World, along with a bunch of 3DO titles, I guess. Uh, Ziggurat already got out there and said that they are working with the original people behind this. I'm trying to find the name. Uh, Terminal, uh, Terminal, Terminal Reality. Reality. Yeah, to get the PC version up to compatibility and give it enhancements or something. It's not clear what the hell that means at this point in time. I, they're also talking about maybe further exploring the Blood Rain universe. Uh, so, Unlike Duke Nukem, Blood Rain is a franchise that, like, I wouldn't hate seeing come back. Like, there's potentially cool stuff in that well to be mined, so long as it goes back to the more Dante, Bayonetta-style action game, as opposed to the, I think it was a side-scroller they did at one point. But also, if you get a remaster of the old ones, cool. Maybe stop at that. Like, Blood Rain is also a franchise not worth popping the coffin on being like, yo, we made Blood Rain 3. Oh, but, you know, there was a movie, though. A Yui Bowl movie, yeah, no less. Yeah, I, I know I'm supposed to hate <laughs> the movies, and I... The, the movies aren't good, but at the same time, like, the idea we were going to eventually get Blood Rain the movie in the Wild West, and maybe we did, I don't know, I didn't follow that whole kind of fallout all that well, that was on paper a potentially cool thing. Like, for those who don't know, the original Blood Rain game, the arguably cool one, was her fucking killing, like, I think it was Nazis or something? Like, it was her in Germany, like, 
yeah. working to murder Nazis. That might be the movie. I blow them together at this point. And the second game was a little more like grinding on rails, action shootery style thing. But like, if you went back to what the original one did, that was kind of cool and did like and capitalized on that historical vampire badass through history doing vampire through history badass things. I might play that again, especially if it played cool. Like, Blood Rain in a cowboy hat could be fun. Just just throwing that one out there. <laughs> but that's enough about things from the 90s and earlier that shouldn't be brought back. <laughs> yeah, it, it continues to just be a, why are you doing this? Like, no one asked for this, and... It's a franchise that, like, is cool, but I could also imagine modernizing would be problematic at a minimum, where it's like, it's the sexy lady vampire. What are the character traits? It... Uh... I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. alright, so... Devil May Cry is very much a product of the 90s. Yeah. But you know what? Devil May Cry 5? Really good game. They really actually brought it into a new era. Very well. So, I mean... Yeah, I'm it's just possible. saying that like a bunch of the fan base around Blood Rain was like, look at this sexy vampire. Like Dante was just a fun, weird character in the games. All Devil May Cry games are better than any of the Blood Rain games were before too. I think maybe not too. Well, different. Yeah. Well, there's there are different styles of games, I'd say, but in a certain sense. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be revived, and they could make something cool out of it you know just reimagine the whole universe and reimagine the character you know like in a, in a certain you know just to you know there again for a new era that could be done and it's been done so i mean things similar things have been done yeah. so but yeah uh yeah no i'd be kind of vaguely curious as to see it i didn't play any of the games so i'm not super i'm not super knowledgeable about them I definitely, like, it, it's weird. I definitely equate the Blood Rain franchise, maybe unfairly, with, like, there used to be a magazine called PSM that every year did, like, a, it was a gaming magazine 11 months out of the year, and every year they did a swimsuit edition for some weird reason. Like, it's very much weird. of that era. I do not remember that. It was, a yeah, it, it's very much of that era of video games, and Blood Rain was mm. one that was in that thing for years. It's like, did they have a new Blood Rain game? Okay, weird. It was all hand-drawn art and stuff, but it's, it's definitely of that era. Hmm. Yeah, PSM was an interesting company, too. Moving on! Let's get medical for a second, I guess. Uh, we got two kind of interesting ones. EVE Online has opened up a mini-game that's helping research COVID, because that's still a thing people should be doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the game itself is a mini-game um, called uh, Project uh, Discovery. And it's something that they've used before, but they're bringing it back. And specifically, it's it's trying to see how COVID-19 uh, impacts human immune systems during a pandemic. So, yeah, they're using, you know, not to go into the technical parts of it, but yeah, they're using the simulations of sort of, you know, to see how it spreads and how that impacts victims and how that in itself also affects the spread. So yeah, inter very interesting. So yeah, I, I think that's really neat that they're utilizing, they're again utilizing technology to figure out real world problems and video game technology specifically. Yeah. On the opposite end of the spectrum from that, maybe not opposite, but different spectrum altogether, we have our first 
FDA-approved video game, specifically designed to help uh, treat some symptoms of ADHD for kids 8 to 12. It's called Endeavor RX, and it requires a prescription to get. Huh. Which is kind of cool. Interesting. So it, a little history, I guess. Like it's based off a variety of studies and stuff. I've watched the trailer a couple times, and it, like, it, if you were to compare this thing, it's like a Crash Nitro Racing or something, like a real basic kind of like GameCube era style game. The graphics of it aren't amazing, but the idea they seem to be going for is that it's throwing kind of stuff in the background that you have to ignore and can't focus on. It, one of the problems with having ADHD is it's hard to focus and. This is kind of a cool idea, but mostly given the kind of weird relationship between the medical world and video games, got our first FDA-approved video game for medical purposes. That's kind of cool, right? Like, this thing leans into it so hard, it's catchphrase is literally time to play your medicine. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I think that's amazing. I think it's just, you know, it's showing that, you know, scientists are often some of the most open-minded people around, that they're like, Hey, this looks like it could be a, like we could use this interactive the sense that this interactive notion that hey, we can use this to help people. We can actually use video games as a tool to help people because it's just a medium or I mean, yeah. uh, it's just a medium and yeah, if we can use other mediums, but it is fascinating that this is a by prescription game that's and like you can't like I, i'm sure there's already something on pirate bay or something so you can play this but like my understanding is you can't get this game without a prescription yeah like it's not a it's not a commercially available video game to get yeah that's that's what i yeah that's what i've seen of it as well but yeah really fascinating i never thought we'd be in a timeline where i would hear the phrase medically prescribed video game <laughs> And like the weirdest way is, who I keep watching this trailer it doesn't look like a terrible game. Like it's got a style yeah. to it. It's like it's mm -hmm. it's no worse looking than like uh, Skylanders was. Mm. If you put some effort into this, it's cool. Yeah. All right, where to move on from that? Uh, let's go to something absolutely bizarre, and it's that um, I didn't know this was a thing until this article popped up, and Henry explained the idea to me more of it. So Steam has a weird new problem, and it's not rampant uh, uh, review bombing or problematic games or whatever. It's people literally swapping out the game being listed and sold on Steam for another one. I guess, like, I've been kind of digging into this more while we've been talking about this through this podcast. It probably seems to be the things that happen with hentai games. <laughs> yeah, of they course. don't, but occasionally, not even with hentai games. Like, yeah. one example was a game called Airball. And then all of a sudden, it was removed and replaced with Penguin Cretans, which is totally unrelated to the original one. It's just like, and that was one done by the original developer. It's just like, what? It just, it's just weird. And but yeah, but in, there is another case where it's just like they swapped it out for hentai. Okay. Now, I've dug into this more. Like, I guess, like, there's been that workaround where you'd release a game on Steam, and like, for free or for cheap, and then either offer, like, a paid DLC you had to download from another site or something, or a patch you could download to make it into a true hentai game or something. This appears to be kind of a new workaround for that. Like, it's not just the... It, it's, it happens a weird amount, apparently. Like, not, like, every... Like, not right now you could be playing a game. Like, Half-Life is still Half-Life. It's not coming to that level, but it's lots of the small kind of 
maybe not shovelware, but smaller stuff. Okay. Yeah. Except it for the Matrix Online, weird. it's sneaking in places and people are kicking it out. Yeah, How it is. Dare you? But it is explicitly against the terms of service for Steam, yeah. so. Yeah, when it's caught, it's reported. It can be reported, so. Should have done this before we moved on to that weirdness. Uh, that, uh, this war of mine, a beautiful, wonderful, tragic, heartbreaking nightmare of a video game that everyone should play because it will make you a better person, has been officially added to the Polish 2020-2021 recommended reading list. That's right. This week we got prescription video games and video games on reading lists. Yep. <laughs> on curriculum yeah. reading lists. And, you know, not required, but recommended reading, which is still a very interesting, very fascinating. Yeah, it's even recommended for fields like uh, sociology, ethics, philosophy, and history. Like, it's not like, hey, just games. Like, no, no, these are not video game related areas necessarily. Yeah. So it is. I mean, the game, the game development studio itself is Polish. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's, that's a part of the reason I'd say that you know that in the consideration. But also, it's just a really good game, for the exact reasons that Charlie mentioned. Well, and it's, it's it's one of those ones where it's also like the Polish people might have a special resonance with this war of mine in some ways, given the both elongated, bizarre history of that country and last a hundred years, relatively recent history of that country, too. Well, last 30 years. Yeah. Siege of Sarajevo. Yeah. Hmm. I'm talking like that country's had a weird history going back centuries, though, even. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, if a country that... If, if, if you'd have a country that makes sense to maybe add this war of mine, a game about being a citizen during wars that you have no kind of control over whatsoever and have to make an increasing number of horrific choices to stay alive, it's not a bad country to pick, in all honesty, to give it to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, a very, uh, but yeah, I think it's very fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, we're we're seeing, I mean, we're just increasingly seeing people realize that video games is not a genre, it's a medium. It's a medium of expression. Just like television, Film, plays, yeah, music, you know, it's, it's its a medium of expression. It's so weird to use words like cool in context of this word of, world, uh, war of mine, because that game is, like, one of the most depressing-ass video games ever made, but for, like, it's, I'm gonna use the word cool wrongly, it's very cool that this game's getting this recognition, it absolutely deserves it, like, the DLC for yeah. it is... Oh, you thought the game was already depressing as fuck? Nah, brah. And, and for those that have also played this game and are kind of going, man, that game's not appropriate for high schoolers, it's only being offered to 18-plus high schoolers, as is the rating code in that country, which absolutely makes sense. Do I think yeah, I can get... I can get... I can see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I encourage everyone that's curious about this game to play it with parental permission if you're underage. Like, it's an important game, I'd go as far as to say. Like, it's, like, maybe yes, don't give it to a 12-year-old, but, like, if you have a 14-year-old that's not kind of getting the atrocities of war, maybe make him play this? Like, it's... Yeah. Um, I mean, I've talked about it at length in a previous episode yeah. when I was playing through it and when I picked it up. And, yeah, it's... An, and I use that 
exact term. I said Hill's an important game. Yeah. It is. It's an important game to play. Yeah, and like it's it, it's not just important, it's good. Like it's it's yeah, so weird talking game. about this game because it's like saying I love the game. It's like, no, it's it's a really good game and it's important. Did you enjoy playing it? Oh fuck no. Yeah. Every time I stop playing that, I'm like, I need to go do something socially conscious right now. Fuck. I need to go apologize to someone for something, I'm pretty sure. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it, well-crafted game. Yeah. Where to go from here? Uh, in complete polar opposite to this war of mine, they're making a new Pokemon Snap. Just when you thought you were out, Nintendo finds a way to pull you back in. I'm just amazed it took us this long to get here. Like, I... With how fucking popular Pokemon Go has been. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm surprised there's been no mobile app game thing prior to this. At the same time, like, how did we get this far? And there's not a new one yet. I'm surprised it didn't come out for mobile, considering that Pokemon Go has the AR. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. Fuck the um the Wii U had a camera in it. Yep. But yeah, this appears to be maybe not a sequel to the existing Pokemon Snap franchise, but it's another Pokemon Snap game. You're gonna take photos of Pokemon in new environments and a rail shooter essentially. And it appears they're gonna throw apples and pastures. Hell, the fucking vehicle's back even. It's not a, it's no longer on a track, it's got like a <laughs> digital tracky thing, but yeah, it's it looks nice. Not a lot of details about this yet. I, if you watch the trailer, Blastoise eats that apple real good. I, I don't know. <laughs> he fucking ate that apple, bro. Yeah, I I have the weirdest memories of the original Pokemon Snap game because I, I I remember a bunch of me and my friends like all piling onto a couch to play this thing and just like we were old enough it wasn't weird, but like it was like six boys just fucking into this wholesome. We're gonna fucking take pictures of that goddamn Pikachu on a surfboard game. Right? Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's coming to Switch. There's not a lot of details about it yet, but it's it's a happening. I'll probably play it when it comes out. Yeah. No, it's... It's odd that this is now a thing, but... It weirdly <laughs> overshadowed the fact that the new Pokemon DLC came out this week, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. Apparently, Nintendo's been offering refunds because people bought the DLC incorrectly. Oh, people seem to like it. Shit. Yeah, but people seem to like the mm. DLC a lot, so I've, I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, okay. I have no comments yet on that DLC. I was kind of done with that Pokemon game at the end when it's like, yo, there's an entire endgame, and I'm like, no, there isn't. I beat the Elite Four equivalent. I'm good. Yeah, I thought the Elite Four was the end game. There is no Elite Four in that game. I, I beat the champion of that fucking arena battle league. I, I I beat the game. No, here's some more story. I don't want more story. Ah. Gotcha. I want to train my dragons in peace, motherfuckers. <laughs> Moving on from that, uh, Xbox Smart Delivery. We finally know what the fuck that means, and it means if you buy something on a console, it'll work on future consoles. Pretty simply. Whether okay. you have the disc or not. Or if you buy digitally. I think, this is, I think this applies specifically to digital purposes or purchases at this point. Okay. But yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great decision. Yeah. I think it's... I mean, I, th- I think it's a good sort of, at least, way of saying that, you know, even if you've bought it digitally, like, 
you know, you don't have to keep track of it. You know, that's one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons behind buying things digitally is so you don't have to keep track of a disc. Discs also get damaged. And so, yeah, if you have, but, you know, you shouldn't be prevented from playing it on a newer system just because if the newer system does have that backwards compatibility, which, you know, you may, you, you know, get a few generations ahead and doesn't necessarily have the ability to play the older game. This helps horrors so in that like case, me that have giant piles of consoles in their garages. Yeah. But yeah, if it if there is a point where if it's still if there is still backwards compatibility, the smart delivery system will allow that. And I think that's yeah, I think that's really good because I am a as I've mentioned many times before, I'm a point of sale advocate. I believe that things should be sold point of sale. Not you know, not like you're renting the game for an extended period of time. But yeah. 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 I got bad news next. Oh boy. Cyberpunk has been delayed again. You know, I've got no problem with it. Me neither. I I, I and it's not like I don't want to play like that game. I do look forward to playing it. Um it's just I don't I'm okay with games being delayed if the purpose is to make them better. Like that's the thing people I think I I don't know if it's a real quote. Um I don't know if it's a real quote, but it's a quote from, uh, what's his name, from Nintendo, who says, uh, a delayed game can be good, but a rush game can be bad forever. Like, yeah. I thought it's Miyamoto that said that or something. Either. I think it like, is Miyamoto, right? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, like that, and that rings true. Like, I'm okay with it. Take your time. Do what you need to do. Don't do this crunch bullshit just because you want to meet a deadline. Like, take your time. People, you know, will be happy. And worst case scenario, you become the new Duke Dukem forever. But yeah. So, I saw that news. I'm like, yeah, no, it's expected. Especially with everything going on right now. Not surprised at all. How do you guys feel about it? I, as much as I want that game, I'm in the same camp as you where I want that game to be good and not, like, I think that game will potentially be an important game in a variety of ways when it comes out, too. I yeah. think it'll also be controversial as fuck, and I want the controversy to be about that game and not like, oh, it had weird graphical issues or it ran like shit or something. I want the conversation to be about that game and not the surrounding issues, I guess. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Henry? Um. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think you should... I think it's best to wait until you have a good product. I mean, I I think I've mentioned that many times before. I don't like the artificial dates being put on a release. Like we have to have it by this day. It's like work on it till it's done. When you get close to the finish line of a well-planned game, then announce. All right, we're going to be able to put it out summer. You know, in you know summer whatever twenty twenty one. And then when you get even closer, it's like. All right, we know what month it's going to come out in. It's going to come out in February. I mean, that's 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 only if you have good planning and if you've made room for the fact that hey, QA is going to take a while. <laughs> it to the testing, the internal testing is just going to take a while. Yeah. And let's actually plan for that instead of just saying we're going to put it out on Ju- you know, like on, you know, July 15th. You know, and yeah, it's yeah. Don't don't do that. 
Stop doing that. Put it out when it's done. And I don't like that they've put another day on it, like November 19th. How can you know that? There's, it's, the development of games is far more fluid than that. I mean, some things, some elements that you're adding to the game just may take longer than you thought to implement. Mm -hmm. And also, QA, how long QA needs, is completely unpredictable. Utterly unpredictable. There's no way of knowing how much testing this game's going to require once you even get it into a, a good stage, into a, you know, a good place where it's at, where it's, you know, play, actually playable. When it's in a beta stage, it's going to take a while for QA to deal, to be able to deal with it and to get good testing on it because QA reveals things you could never have, you know, predicted. That's the point of QA. I think my takeaway from this is I think there's going to be like, I don't know what game comes out in September, but I think this may have gotten moved because something else big is coming out in September now. Maybe we don't but, know about I, yet. Wasn't September Destiny 2's new expansion thing? Yeah, no, you're right. That comes out the 22nd. I I think, if I was as cynical as I normally am, I think this might be a repositioning reason, but I don't know. But stop giving specific days when we're like six, six to eight months out from the game being released. Like, how can you know that? Yeah, I, I, for fact, you can't. You just can't fucking know that. That's not a thing that can be known. Is QA is going to be variable. And the amount of time you just program an element is not necessarily very predictable. To a certain extent, if you have really good flows and you have, you've been using something like Agile system to be able to act, to reasonably accurately predict how long a an element will take and how much time an element will take to implement. But QA is unpredictable. They just need enough time to test it properly so that things are implemented properly. Stop putting artificial dates on releases. God, just dumb. But if we don't do that, how will we be able to make our profit from the pre-orders and all the special GameStop exclusives brought to you by GameStop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just... It's it's the stupidest thing because there's too much on it. There's just too much about game development that's unpredictable. And QA is super important, if not the most important part of act, the actual you know, the release cycle. If you aren't giving QA a good time to test it, then you're putting out a broken game. You just are. Yeah. It just it puts too much pressure on the on the back end on everybody. So you have developers furiously trying to fix, you know, bugs and problems and issues and adding whatever new thing that was tacked on. You have your you know, all of your artists furiously creating new assets and trying to fix them to make sure that they're correct. You have uh, and you have your QA team that's just being driven to madness. By trying to, you know, make sure that they've tested the game as completely as possible before this artificial date being set. Yeah, just it just angers me when I see games like, you know, a year from now we're coming out on this day, this exact day. Dumbest thing ever. It's just, it's just marketing and executives deciding when a good time for it to be released will be instead of. You know, asking the people actually involved in making the game, how long do you think this is going to take? Yeah, it's just, 
Yeah, just just reminds me how to how to touch some executives and marketing people can be with the actual developers, the uh, the programmers, the artists, the designers, the narrative writers, everybody involved in making a game, the musicians, the composers. It's just it's a complete disrespect of the process itself to give a specific date release for something that it's unpredictable. I mean, it's not even like it's less predictable than post-production on a movie. And just what I know about that post-production can be pretty unpredictable how long that's going to take. There's a lot of variance there, but it's even more so post-production for a video game is even more unpredictable. I mean, you don't have to worry about actors glitching out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, like you're not you're not gonna have you know I don't know uh, like Chris Evans dropping through the floor <laughs> in the middle of a scene. That's that's. I'd be okay with yeah. that. I'd play that game. <laughs> he just he just disappears out of the set. It's like oh oh our our set has glitched out. No, that's that's. Where, where do I get to see but, that movie? How, how do I get that? <laughs> Yeah, but, I'd, I'd like to see them do the end scene for uh, Avengers Endgame with uh, the developers who worked on uh, WWE 2K or whatever. <laughs> the 2000... Was it, was it, what the hell is the newest version? WWE oh, yeah. 2020 or some shit like that? Yeah, 2K20 2K or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2K, 2K20. Yeah, let's watch that. Let's just watch fucking Thanos fall through the ring or some shit. That'll be fun. Yeah. Well, we, we, I'm yeah. convinced, Charlie. We need to move on. Yeah. Uh, just throwing it out there, 2021 release date. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we may have another PS5 price leak. This is a little bit more swallowable than the previous ones that got out there. Uh, these ones hint at uh, 500 pounds and 400 pounds, respectively, for the two different SKUs of the PS5. Still expensive as fuck, but... Honestly, for I was expecting more pounds? on yeah. the cost. Our, oh yeah, those would be euros. My bad. No, that's euros. Those are euros. Or, hold up, the beat. Yeah, the, uh... I, I was hearing uh, three ninety nine and four ninety nine for digital and disc version, respectively. Yeah, that's in euros. So cost. in in US cash, that comes out to kind of five sixty five, four fifty two. Yeah, which is I I think personally, it's it's. Maybe it's just my idea of what these used to be priced at, but like, wasn't the PS3 stupid? The expensive? PS3 was stupid expensive. The PS4, I can't remember what that one was at, but it wasn't bad yeah. considering all things considered. We still have no. And this is prices. this is actually better than I thought it would be because, you know, to a certain extent, when it gets if it gets high enough to where it's just like you're just buying a computer, yeah, except it can't do as much as a computer can. Yeah, it's, it starts to get a bit weird. But no, that's still cheaper than, like, a really good computer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know? like, that's, that's fairly reasonably priced, I think. But maybe it's just, I don't know. I just assumed it was going to be more expensive the way they No, no, I think we all did, especially life. after the last leak that had it close to 1000 bucks. Yeah, 1000 bucks. I was like, that's going to be fucking stupid if that's what they released that. But this, yeah. these prices sound more, like, in line more with palpable. things. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's a secret conspiracy where they were testing the waters with a thousand dollars, saw the reaction, and revealed their real price of what it is now. Let's just move on and talk about EA now. 
<laughs> the truth is out there, man. I'm catching on to you. Let's industry. just talk about EA. Uh, so, in kind of our prolonged E3 month of we've been going through, we got our EA Play, uh, Play Live 2020. Um, not a ton of announcements out of this. Uh, again, another instance of huh, this may have been better than normal show in all honesty. I didn't mind this version of it, but if you're an Apex Legends fan, we got some news for you. That game is going to Steam with crossplay, and it's coming to Switch. I really want video game companies to stop acting like we care about games coming to Switch that have a heavy online network uh, factor into them. Hmm. But it's the Switch, Charlie. I... If the Switch had wireless, like, phone wireless capabilities in it, you'd have my attention. But the best you can do is hotspot off your phone to play the Switch on the go kind of thing. It's If they had that, A, I think network would be better on the Switch overall, which is a whole other separate topic. And B, then you'd have me impressed. But being like, yo, you can play Apex Legends on the Switch's terrible network interface that currently exists that you have to pay money for. Isn't that cool? It's not? Okay. <laughs> Uh, but for those concerned, the crossplay will be between PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, not the Switch version. And PC means both Steam and the EA. What's that thing called now? EA Access or EA Launcher? Yeah, I think it's, like it's called EA. I think it is EA Access. Yeah. I haven't launched it in a while. EA Origin. Sorry. Origin. Yes, that's the thing. God, we were so mad about Origin for so many years that I'm amazed we all forgot it. Yeah. But, hey, now that they've teamed up with Steam, EA good. So this is not the only game of the EA catalog going there. Uh, Sims 4 is headed there, among other big ones. Um, yeah, there's a full list, I'm trying to find it now, of stuff that's making the jump to... I think, yeah, it's, um, I think it was Apex Legends, Battlefield, Need for Speed, and Sims are going there, among others. The big standouts. Uh, we got a little bit more detail on Dragon Age. It looks like a Dragon Age game. Uh, not, uh, no release date yet, just kind of like, yeah, this exists. Uh, the highlight of this, though, has got to be uh, Haze Lights, uh, sorry, Haze Lights Joseph Bears, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Mr. Uh, Fuck the Oscars, famous for, I think it's, what's it, A Way Out? Yep. And Brothers, uh, both being his normal self, which is enthusiastic, shitting on lots of things and simultaneously not having a little bit of self-awareness where that studio, they've made three games, all of which have featured a heavy co-op component. And in the same sense, he's like, a lot of other studios rely on the same thing. Hey, we're making another game that features co-op exclusives heavily. It's like, okay, that's your thing. That's fine. But don't like shut other studios for staying in their lane because you're doing that same thing too. Uh, this... This new game is called It Takes Two. I don't know what this game is yet because it's not been super revealed. There's no release date or anything like that as of right now. But it's got kind of a cute art style to it. It's got a cool art yeah. style, at least, if it's indeed that. It's a platformer, so that makes it a little different than the other yeah. games that they've made. So. Oh, okay. You're playing as either, I think it's a straw doll or a wood doll or a clay doll. That are helping a child deal with uh, her parents getting divorced. So it's allegedly coming out in 2021, so we'll see what happens. Next up, we have Lost in Random, a new game from Zoink Games. Anyone know who the fuck Zoink Games are? Nope. Uh, no. Yeah. 
Again, very artsy looking. Give me a second to look them up. Professionalism. Yeah. But I've heard of none of these before, so it's not a damning thing. Oh, they did Ghost Giant. Okay, that that that's probably what they're known for at this point. They have really cool art style. And this one definitely has that. This is allegedly a darker one compared to their previous stuff, so okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'd like to officially apologize to the Smash community. No, I don't. I, I'm just kidding about myself for a bad joke. Uh, it's really cool that Rock Arena is just essentially a third-person version of Smash. <laughs> it's just as much of a fighting game as Smash is, FYI. Maybe more so. But it's a 3v3 hero shooter. It's not even a hero shooter. So as, And this is kind of me basing it off the trailer we saw. It appears the only way to kill an opponent is to knock them out of the map. Smash style. Which is why you have rockets. Yep. It's cutesy, it's got personality, it's kind of like someone took Brawlhalla, made it a third-person shooter game, and gave you lots of guns that did big, explodey things. I've... Each character's different, there's hoverboards, there's a pirate, there's a lady with a spear that, like, spear tackles people, yeah, that was kind of cool, I guess. I've... It looks fun. It looks fun, yeah, I... in the same way that Smash is fun, and not a serious game for fighting game people. <laughs> <laughs> Now we can have the same thing, except for uh, hero shooters. Yeah, I, if this thing comes out as free, it could be a cool thing. I don't know. I, it feels it doesn't feel unique enough for me to want to pay money for it, but it could also be fun. I, I don't know. It looks like a video game. Yeah. But we'll know about this one soon, because it's coming July 14th. Yeah. It's aiming to, as they put it, blow up the competition. I hate myself. <laughs> uh, we got a new EA Sports Manager trailer for Madden 21 and FIFA. Like those are things that are coming. Obviously, uh, the second biggest news to come out of this was yeah, Star Wars Squadrons is indeed a real game. There was a gameplay reveal. It looks cool. I it's it probably it's got VR support. It's you are in the cockpit of some of the most iconic ships from Star Wars. Oddly enough, not a lot of the old stuff. That's probably the expansion path they can go on. It's got some roles baked into it. The kind of it's got a dogfight mode and kind of a more traditional battle mode where you're either pushing into an enemy ship or defending it. It it seems cool. Like it's it's weird seeing lots of games that are doing the star like what maybe what Star Citizen should have done out of the gate, which is okay, here's a very focused, very cockpit driven experience that then you can expand out from and you know, getting out there faster. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's cool. I mean, we haven't seen something like this since, like, Rebels, you know, Rebel Squadron and Rogue stuff Squadron, like that. Rogue Squadron, yeah. Ro Rogue Squadron, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I don't think... And I, I, and I played the older uh, TIE Fighter uh, game. Yeah, this feels well. like it's more like TIE Fighter or X-Wing than Rogue Squadron necessarily, but I think it will... When's the last time we got a Star Wars flight sim game? So, like, it's kind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very true. I think this game, like, not to say it won't be cool at launch, I, I'm curious to see what this game will be at in, like, two years when they've really expanded the roster of ships to, like, older stuff. I've, there's drifting and flip mechanics, which I think is kind of cool. Like, this could be some of the most, like, actual dogfighty stuff you get out of Star Wars ever, and that might be kind of cool to watch some videos on. Yeah. But, yeah. For the people this game is for, congrats. You get a game that you can paint a, a TIE Fighter red if you want. You know, like in the movies. 
And last but not least, we have the announcement of Skate 4. Which uh, we, can all thank, we can all thank Tyler the Creator. Sure, and also people fucking memeing the EA page and all that jazz. I've, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. People like Skate 4. I like, I like Skate 3 a lot. I like Skate 3 a lot. It's a good skateboarding game. Uh, let's hope it's not Tony Hawk 5 all over again, but... <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if the sessions people there are sitting there being like, fuck. Okay, yeah, they're bringing back the one people want. <sighs> but yeah, Skate 4. Uh, if you're not familiar with the legacy of Skate 4, Giant Bomb, it, just Google Giant Bomb Skate 4 like, uh, controversy. There's lots of stories of people like going on to various social media for other EA games and just like commenting letter by letter Skate 4 or just Skate 4 hundreds of times or... <laughs> being like in like a, a, on a tweet for like a press co- uh, like a like an official like a, a, a what's that recording call press release it's like yeah it's cool when is skate 4 happening yeah. it was literally memed into existence if you were to believe the video ea put out there so yeah skate 4 hashtag skate 4 i don't know yeah hope it's good but last but not least that brings us to the end of our podcast meaning it's time or email. Yeah, email. We got one from Jeff, and we got one from other person. Uh, Jeff? You want... Yes. Oh. <laughs> you wanted to contact us? How would you go about doing that, Alex? Uh, it's very simple. You would pull up the email client of your choosing, and uh, you would put in wickedawesomecast at gmail.com for the email address. What's that email again, Henry? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's the, say, what's the thing I normally say after you two say the email address, Alex? Spells and sounds, etc., etc. It's down in the show notes, too, but yes, that's more or less the uh, gist. Damn it! <laughs> you had <laughs> one job. All right, our first email comes in from Aiden. Dear Wicked, oh, dear Wicked Awesome Cast. So I thought the whole CG people thing from last week was a joke, and then I rewatched the PS5 event video. Not every person visible in that video is, is, is CG, but uh, I think it's Herman Holst and uh, Shude Yoshida sure look like they're being rendered on the latest gaming hardware. I think Henry <laughs> mentioned something about how The Last of Us 2 just leaps over the Inkenny Valley, so I'm now finding myself wondering if moving forward we're going to have more and more weird conspiracies like this. Yes. I mean, when we already have some very convincing deep fakes going on, like, you know, being put on YouTube, it's yeah. like, this makes them easier. Fuck, in playing through The Last of Us Remastered on my PS4, that game is already too realistic, I think. And not like, oh, I'm squeamish about blood kind of way. No, I'm all about that fucking violence it up the ass, fuckers. But yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a realistic game. We were getting there. Maybe too quickly. <laughs> Did either of you two watch the terrible yet weirdly entertaining movie Gamer? Oh, is that the one with... um? Oh, uh, Dexter and... Yeah, I, I was going to say the guy from Dexter. Yeah, it's the... It's the it, it is the movie that's premise is people are like VR controlling real convicts to play a yes. first-person shooter. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I heard about that, but I didn't play it. It's, it's, actually, not, a, it's sorry, a movie. Sorry, not play. Not, actually, I didn't watch it is what I meant. <laughs> it's actually not bad. Oh, it's you, not terrible at all. That's, that's the problem. But if you can get past... Michael, was it, is it Michael C. Hall? Is that his name? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, if you can get past his horrible fucking southern accent. 
Or if you look at the other way, his hilarious southern accent. It is so fucking If you've ever bad. wondered what like evil Steve Jobs with a southern accent would be, it's that character. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So who's like morally okay with like second life being people mind controlling people and also first person shooters being played with death row convicts? <laughs> like the people die straight up. It's nuts. I think Terry Crews is in that movie. I think so? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. But, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch Gamer. It's it's amusing. But holy shit, that accent was bad. I like Michael C. Hall. I thought he was great as Yeah, Dexter. Terry Crews plays the bad guy in that. And it's, he's also fantastic in it. Yeah. Who else was on that movie now? Uh, it's got a list. I'm looking at the IMDb page now. Like, a Gerard Butler plays the main character. Yeah, Gerard Butler's the avatar that gets controlled. Yeah. Ludacris is in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I did not think I'd be talking about Gamer today or ever again after having watched that movie start to finish. Yeah. All right, our next one comes in from Jeff, and he's put the sign off at the end of it, so I'll give him the end uh, that at the end of it. But, yeah. Hello, fuckers. Recently, in the last episode of the Wicked Awesome cast, Charlie and Henry were talking about the hosts of PS5 releases being rendered in... The- wow, this really stuck a chord with people in The Last uh, in the last of Us engine. Alex began to defend the poor soulless robots at Sony that, he- that don't even know they are robots, and Alex began to defend them, and at that moment, it was beyond obvious. What fools we've been! Anyone ever noticed that in every episode previous that whenever Alex makes a pun, no one responds? It's almost as if he is not there, and it was obvious this whole time Alex has been rendered in real time by a PS5. Yes, I have a PS5. I've had one all along. I feel so deceived. I've met you in person, and the whole time I couldn't tell you you were you were on, on a PS5 with a, with a WoW addiction. Also, stay away from, P, from One Piece. It's a whole weird anime. It's just, it's just grind. <laughs> Sorry, it's the WoW of anime. It's just grind. <laughs> Alex, how do you feel about being rendered on a PS5? Um, I I don't know. It's something I'm just coming to terms with right now. It seems, and so is this like when takes... cl- is this like when clones realize they're clones? Yeah, it's well, one you of those do, situations. well, you know, the, the recent you know we have a slate of you know Alex with different haircuts. Somebody was just messing with the uh, you know character creator. Yeah. That was that wasn't my haircut. That was somebody rendering me on a character creation. Notice how the background is always the same. You would not believe how shitty a lot of the microtransactions for Alex are, FYI. Like <laughs> And how expensive some of them are for no good reason. Yeah, and for whatever reason, no matter what DLC you're playing, I'm always wasting at least $15 a month on WoW. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, I, you can pay money to have it stop, but it's also $15, and it still goes to Blizzard. Somehow, yeah, even when you lose, you lose yeah. and you win. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have to figure out how I'm going to process this, maybe with my 10.2 teraflops. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I like the implication you're like a PS5 taped to a, like a skateboard, pushing yourself around <laughs> like a car battery on the back of it or something, just <laughs> rendering yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the mental image is great. 
It's not a simulation. It's just Alex is a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> what, it's like Henry's running on a Dreamcast or something? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, how long ago was it that I moved to Oregon? Have you seen me since I moved That's to Oregon, That's fair, Charlie? yeah. We have no proof Oregon even exists. There's no proof I'm still alive. I'm probably just a really good rendering of him now. I mean, of me. <laughs> Who really knows at this point? Yeah. Uh, and we all know Oregon is a myth. Yeah. Yeah. The entire state of Portland is just bears and trees and logging people. Yeah. <laughs> And nothing like the, else. It's, it's the flat earth state conspiracy of the United States. That no one's talking about. <laughs> yeah, you hear all about it, but have you, anybody actually seen it? Portlandia is the most accurate representation of Portland because it's also fictional. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Bermuda Triangle of states. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, Delaware is the Bermuda Triangle of states, but... <laughs> Once you go in, you vanish, because Delaware. Yeah, fair enough. Can you prove Delaware exists? We could, but we're not going to. We don't have the time, or we don't have the effort we want to Or the to put spy in. satellites hacked into to prove Delaware exists. Yeah, you'll just have to take our word for it. And how would you know Delaware just wasn't parts of Pennsylvania or Ohio? Or Kentucky? <laughs> Who knows? Delaware is just unincorporated Pennsylvania. Delaware, filmed on location in Montreal. <laughs> oh, that one hurts. I love it. <laughs> I love how we mentioned a bunch of states that don't touch Delaware. Right? I don't have to put map to remember where the fuck Delaware was. <laughs> If you're from Delaware, feel free to email us and let us know how you feel about how we talked about your state. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it. We're not going to apologize, but... Well, we're not going to get any emails because Delaware isn't real. Oh, no, Pennsylvania yeah. does touch Delaware. I wasn't totally making that up. Yeah. At least according to the maps that have been given to you by the man. Yeah, it's just East Jersey. Yeah. Sorry, West Jersey, my bad. Or East Virginia. <laughs> They finally got their east. It's like that song, East Virginia. <laughs> totally not Delaware. <laughs> Take me home. Not Delaware Road. Not Delaware Road. Oh, God, nothing shit all over a state. Uh, <laughs> Just for existing, I, too. Like, the people of Delaware have done nothing to deserve this scorn from me, except <laughs> being in Delaware, because fuck that state, apparently. But. <laughs> I regret nothing. I don't either. Delaware, you don't exist. What do you gotta do to get back at me? Absolutely nothing. Right? It's like Australia. No country. No, no, no country that weird can possibly exist. It's just a <laughs> zoo on some island. They're like, fuck it. Prison and murder zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, email us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com to either defend the great state of Delaware or further add on to our conspiracy that Australia doesn't actually exist it's just a zoo next to Abu Dhabi or something yeah I look forward to all the emails from Dover, Delaware <laughs> you hear that Dover? we're calling you out specifically Alex looked at a <laughs> map I'm goddamn right 
You want to name some other? You want to name some other Delaware-based cities if any such things exist? <laughs> yeah, how about this one, Dagsboro? It's like awesome name for a place to live. <laughs> Rehoboth Beach. That just sounds like a Jersey off-run. And, and well, it is on the border of the state, so <laughs> it would be attached to fucking Jersey. Uh, and how dumb is this? Middletown at the top of the state? Stupid. <laughs> it's not the middle at all. I don't even know why we decided to just pick on Delaware today, man. I, I there is either. no rhyme or reason. Like, we didn't have the notes. Hey, let's pick on the fucking state in the U.S. today. Fuck it, Delaware. I don't no. have a dartboard for that purpose, yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, this is too good fucking Delaware shit on their day already. Right? I think I just found out there's a, there's a town called Salisbury in Delaware. That makes it even funnier. Yeah. That might there's be in a... Maryland, though. I can't tell how that city, that state breaks up. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so enough about fictitious states. Uh, WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. So it sounds down the show notes right in. Before we close it out, do you two have anything you want to talk about or nah? Um, nothing much right now. I'm going to try again. Like, well, I'll try to do some streaming done this week. But, uh, yeah, if you want to check out the crazy fucking hairdos I did this week, uh, just because I was, uh, you know, barbershops aren't open yet, at least in my area. So I had to take means to myself. I got tired of my hair getting too long and scraggly. So I gave myself the Ambrose Burnside and I'm rocking the Hulk Hogan mustache right now. So I'll go so far as to say, like, even if they are open where you're at, like, honestly, maybe spend a little bit of time weighing how much you need a haircut and. Yeah, that was part of it. Yourself. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and so far, it's like, eh. I mean, I wanted to do it, because I, I, I like, like, for me, my haircut's also kind of a relaxing experience, because I do the hot towel and all that, so. No, no, mm. I'm not saying, like, don't go to barbers, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, maybe spend more than just, like, I need a haircut right now, being your motivation to run that potential risk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But. Yeah, it's a it's it's a good amusement experience if you want to go look at that because it's just like my hair. It also made me realize that if I wanted to, I could really do some absurd fucking cosplays that have really cool facial hair. Mm. If I wanted to, so like, what's the what's that guy from uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force dude with Carl? the white beater? I could be Carl. Be Hand Banana. That works too. Meatloaf's do- uh, Meatwad's dog. Yeah. He only knows two things. Yeah. I don't know anything about that show other than the uh, the reference to Carl. I- I've never watched a full episode of that, but I know a weird amount about that show. Yeah. How can you not watch full episode? The episodes are, like, really short. Yeah, that's They're, the like, more alarming part short. about it. Like, I get, like, I think I realize I'm watching Aquakeem Hunger Force, like, ten minutes into an episode. I'm like, oh shit, what am I doing? <laughs> I watched the movie that that I definitely did. Mm. But yeah, yeah, other than that, a uh, what's it called? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it for me. Follow me on all my social medias and things like that. Mave online across the board for everything. Yeah, Henry. Uh, I'm Kraken Zero. That's Z E R Zero on Instagram and Facebook. 
if I happen to stream, I'll be posting on there. If I'm not, I won't post anything about it. But yeah, yeah, not really anything to announce. Yeah, depending on my health goals this week, I may or may not get back into streaming. Um, if you really want to know what it sounds like when I cut loose on Destiny, not that you haven't heard a version of that, but I'm talking like, talk about Destiny for a straight hour non-stop. Go check out Armchair Guardians. Uh, it's coming to all platforms soon. Go check it out. It'd be fun to get some more listeners on that. Um, we have no idea what the fuck the release schedule for that's going to be yet, but more episodes coming. Yeah, it- if you have recommendations for episodes you'd like to hear, send us emails at Wicked at um not Wicked Awesome Cast. Please don't send those here at um Armchair <laughs> Guardians. Like we will happily cater to people that want to know more about fucking Destiny from a, people that play way too fucking much about that perspective. But yeah, I, it's Mordak M O R D four K on almost all social media and Twitch and that stuff. Yeah, I go find me or whatever. I'm on there. I think I tweeted for the first time in like three months the other day. It's like ah meh. I don't know. Because I've been sick, there's been a serious lack of dog pictures on Instagram. That's all I got on that one. But yeah, email us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. And because Alex, not Alex, Jeff wrote in with it, we're going to say for Jeff, cue the metal. (laughs) 